get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. They said we couldn't be here. They said it couldn't happen. It was too much to overcome. The regular season starts with a foundation of anticipation. Its construction is made up of bricks of accountability, confidence, and resiliency. And the structure is fortified by character and chemistry. Well, they said our foundation had crumbled. But we opened our eyes and our ears to the support around us. And our city never left our corner. Together we drown out the noise. And then we started to build. We remembered those that came before us. The passion that drove them to represent our city and the Blue Note night in and night out. We conjured the spirit of the Plager brothers. Sutter, Federico, Chopper, and the Golden Brett. This is what it's all about. This is why we laced them up. This is why we put in the work. Why we sweat and why we bleed. Playing for the crest on the front of our sweater, winning the battles, sacrificing our bodies, and electrifying our crowd. This is the blood that runs through our veins. The chance to silence them, the chance to prove them wrong, the chance to make history. Can you feel it? Can you feel it running through your body? Do you sense the moment? Now this is the time to capture our emotions. This is the time we raise the volume. This is the time to own the moment. Together we are the Blues. Together we're St. Louis. Together we get knocked down and get right back up and keep coming. It's who we are. And we won't stop. They said we couldn't be here. Hey, buddy, we're here. Ready for the playoffs? Oh, let's go, Blues. How do you not get hyped for playoff hockey after that? Wow. Awesome. Goosebumps Me all too. over my body. Let's go, Blues. What time is the puck drop? Yeah, yeah let's get pregame started here wow. now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Carriker and Smallman 703. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. As always, a hat tip to Chaser with one of the all-time, maybe the all-time uh, playoff hype videos. It was 
looked spectacular, and you and I b- both got chills. I got tears in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we talked to him about that video, and he told an incredible story about how he had gotten the script. He was in Mexico. He was on a boat, and he was practicing this over and over and over because he wanted to make sure that the delivery was going to be perfect. And somebody on a boat next to him was like, hey, buddy, you got it yet? <laughs> Which was great. But he did that to perfection. And shout out to everyone within Blues Production who did oh, that man. because whoever wrote the script, you nailed it. Whoever edited it with the sound, the crescendo, Perfect. the way that it builds, you nailed it. I wish I had your name so that I could show you <laughs> right now, but I will never in my life, Randy, forget being in Enterprise Center and watching that on the Jumbotron and then Enter Sandman would come on yep. and that place was ready to explode and the Blues need to listen to that before they go out on the ice night. This is their time to own the moment. It's yep. playoffs, baby. Text 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. It's the effing playoffs, mofo. <laughs> from the 636, yeah, go Blues! From the 314, I am so fired up right now. From the 618, awesome. From the 618, I'm pumped now. Uh, from the 636, damn, that got me amped up. <laughs> And from the 314. And now I turn my radio off because it's not going to get any better than that. No, it's definitely not. Uh, we peaked too soon. We definitely peaked too soon. It was a great idea by you to lead the show with that, but it's not going to get any better than no. that moment today. I hate to break it to you. Blues and Avalanche game one tonight. The Stanley Cup playoffs are underway. And Michelle, the key for the St. Louis Blues is going to be staying out of the penalty box. This yes. year, the Blues against the uh, Avalanche won three games. They went three and five. In five-on-five action, the Blues scored 14 times. The Avalanche scored 12. When the Blues had a five-on-four, they scored three times. When the Avalanche had a five-on-four, so hear, hear, hear me out here. Okay. Go with me. When the Blues had a power play, <laughs> they scored three times. When the Avalanche had a power play, they scored 12. Oh. The Blues outscored 12-3 to three when both teams were on the power play. So... The Blues have to stay out of the penalty box. That's going to be the key tonight and in this series. Goaltending also going to be a key. And while Colorado is just chalk-filled with talent, we've seen them a lot this season. We know how good they are and how good they're going to be in the playoffs. It's going to be a battle for the Blues. But if the Blues can, A, keep their foot on the gas the entire time and, B, as much as possible, control the tempo of the game, play their game, get physical, play blue style of hockey, make sure they're there on the forecheck, this is a team that can physically outwork any other team when they're on their game. And I love that they're coming into this with an underdog mentality. And the Blues may, well, they they won't have David Braun tonight. I think that's safe to say. May have him back, hopefully, for Wednesday. Right now, he's in the NHL's COVID protocol. But we don't know if it's a false positive or what his situation is. But you have to hope that the Blues can get him back sooner rather than later because... As Ryan O'Reilly said, he's the heart and soul of our team. He is the leading scorer on the team. He is the veteran. He is the guy that goes to the net come playoff time. He understands how to win come playoff time. And it would be a devastating blow for the Blues if they didn't have David Perron available for this series. Of all people, it's going to be our guy, David Perron, as yeah. you mentioned, lead, leading the team with 58 points. And he he is so important to the team in so many aspects on the ice, off the ice. We talk to him every single week about ways that he would make sure to pump up every guy before they hit the ice. And it's going to be difficult to go out there without him tonight. But isn't that the story of this Blues team? Is that night after night, game after game, they found a way to overcome any obstacle that was before 
them. How many guys dealt with injuries? This is something that the Blues, it's it's their DNA this season. So as tough as it's going to be without DP57 out there tonight, I look at this team in this position in the playoffs, and they've overcome stuff like yeah. this all season long. And here are the Blues lines, at least yesterday, as they practiced. O'Reilly between Shen and Schwartz. So Shen plays right wing with O'Reilly and Schwartzy. Then you have Bozak between Tarasenko, who practiced yesterday, and Barbashev. Tarasenko will get a final determination today as to whether or not he's going to be able to go. Robert Thomas between Cairo and Hoffman. And then Sanford, your number four line center between Blay and Clifford. And notable from his absence in the lines is Clem Costin. I have to believe at some point, Michelle, that we are going to see Clem Costin during these playoffs. You would think so at some point. And as you're reading those names, Randy, there's... It's going to be a full team effort if the Blues are going to defeat the Avalanche and move yeah. on to the next round. We know that. But I am looking at Vladimir Tarasenko. I don't know if he's the guy that can put the team on his back and steal a game for them. But I hope that we see a completely different level out of him in the playoffs. We know that in the past, the ability has been there. We don't know with the shoulder if the ability is still there. But He's got a chance to redeem himself for a lost season, essentially, by coming in and having a strong playoff. And we've seen it before. We saw Schwartz have an 11-goal season two years ago and then score 11 in the playoffs. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that uh, Tarasenko could not only play, but play well enough to make a difference in a few games. And that's what you're looking for from a guy like that. So the Blues tonight, 9 o'clock faceoff, 8 o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. You'll notice that we haven't talked about the Cardinals yet at nine minutes after seven o'clock. That's because they got swept by the Padres over the weekend, losing last night in the finale of the three-game series on Sunday Night Baseball. Just was not great. 5-3 the final last night. A lot of walks. Way too many walks. I get it from Johan Oviedo. I don't get it from Adam Wainwright. I don't get it from KK. And now the Cardinals have a day off before they take on the Pirates tomorrow night. First pitch, 645 on Valley Sports Midwest. The Cardinals, we were feeling pretty good about them heading into this series. And I think a lot of people looked at this as maybe a barometer as to where the Cardinals were outside the NL Central. And then you find out that the Padres are dealing with COVID tests and are positive COVID tests. And they are without five of their regulars, including Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, this should be, you know, relatively easy Walk for the over. Cardinals yeah. like in a, in a lot of ways. And so for them to not only not come out and play the way you thought, but get the be swept not great and michelle i want to hear from people with the mic drop feature during the course of the day because over the weekend the dodgers came to an agreement with albert pools he is scheduled to sign with them this afternoon and this was a polarizing issue on social media over the weekend a lot of people wanted the cardinals to sign albert pools other people were more pragmatic in saying no he's past his prime and he isn't the player that he once was don't spoil it and i want to people i want to find out what folks think with the mic drop feature of the Cardinals' approach with Albert Pujols. Were they, did they handle it right? Were they not aggressive enough? Should they have brought him back just so that he could have a swan song here in St. Louis? Should the Cardinals have been more in the mix than they were for Albert Pujols? Because as you, uh, Bill DeWitt III answered your question last week on the show, the Cardinals had internal discussions about it, but didn't seem to be enthused about engaging Albert about coming back. It's Albert Pujols, it's St. Louis, it's the Cardinals. Of course, those conversations are going to have to happen. But at that time, you felt really great about this team. Could Albert have come in and been 
been someone for you off the bench? Maybe. Could he have come in and been a mentor for a lot of people on this team and brought a new level of excitement for guys like Arenado and Yachty? Of course. Would it put, have put butts in the seats? Of course. It, there's a lot of things that you need to look at as far as that situation goes. But I also think of all the ways it could have gone wrong and how it could have developed into this circus amongst itself. And I don't know if that's a distraction that a team that you hope is competing in the play is a playoff team, hopefully competing for a World Series at some point, is necessarily ready to endure. And he can go to L.A. He's definitely not going to be the biggest star on that team. He can just be, a, for a lack of a better term, a guy there yep. in a lot of ways. And I think it's a great spot for him because he's not going to be asked to do a, a whole lot. I know that's probably upsetting to him because I know he did want to play every day. But this is a great place for him to go and try to win another World Series. And with the injury to Corey Seager, he's going to play probably every day right off the bat because they're going to move Gavin Lux, who cannot hit left-handed pitching, by the way. Albert does have an 850 OPS against left-handed pitching. But Gavin Lux is going to move to shortstop in the absence of Seager, who's out with a broken hand. So Max Muncy is going to move to second base. He was only going to move to second base when they faced left-handers. They still have Bellinger out of the lineup. They lost A.J. Pollock over the weekend. I'll bet you that Albert is going to play pretty much every day, at least off the bat, until those guys come back from injury. It seems like a great spot for him to end up. Yeah, it does. And hopefully he'll do well because we like Albert. We want him to do well. Of course. Not when uh, he has the opportunity to beat the Cardinals in the NLCS. I'll be cheering for Albert a lot. Not cheering for the Dodgers, but definitely cheering for him to have success. (laughs) That's Michelle. I'm Randy. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Start one, bench one, cut one. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. People, you you folks really liked the uh, the Kelly Chase pump video. Uh, that, that was a great hype video. So we'll do it again later in the show. Has anyone ever heard that and said, hmm, eh, average? No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> even if you don't love the blues or even if you don't love hockey, you listen to that and you want to run through a wall. Right. It's amazing. It's awesome. I, I was telling you earlier, I, I listened to it this morning while I was eating breakfast and then again on my way in. And then that time and all three times I've, my, I've missed it up in my eyes and my I, I've had like... Uh, Goosebumps and everything uh, three times doesn't change. But it it it's such a cocktail of emotions because you're amped, you're fired up. But they're they're bringing back the past. They're talking about the mm-hmm. foundation that has laid before this team about how everything that they've had to overcome. It brings you back to that moment in time. But it also, as I was listening to that, I'm thinking about when I was a little kid and I was at mm-hmm. Blues games with my dad at the old barn and how badly we wanted the Blues to win the Stanley Cup. And it's it's great to be a Blues fan. Yeah, it really it is. is. We'll do it again later in the show. Okay. Start one, cut a uh, bench one, cut one. Okay. Michelle, okay, this is from a Blues perspective, okay, as a Blues fan. Rantanen, Landeskog, McKinnon. Who do you want out? Who do you want on the bench? And who do you want to play against? Okay, well, they're all very good. Mm-hmm. That top line is incredible. Um, at even strength this season, they've outscored their opponents 35 to 16. Okay, <laughs> that's so amazing. That's, they're all great. 
I think, however, I am cutting. I'm going to work backwards here. Okay, good. I think I'm cutting McKinnon. I'm I'm going to bench Landis Gog, and I'm going to start Rantanen. I am, I'm with you. Even though Rantanen had 30 goals. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, he had 66 points in, in 52 games. But I'm with you. Landeskog is such a, a spiritual leader for that team. And McKinnon may be, the if he's not the best player, he's the second best player behind Connor McDavid in the whole league. So mm-hmm. I think from a Blues perspective, I'm with you. I'd rather play against Rantanen. I don't want anything to do with McKinnon. And then if Landeskog finds his way onto the ice, so be it. But as long as McKinnon is out, I like that. So from the Blues perspective, again, not an avalanche perspective, we've got, and I think you and I are on the same page here. We don't want to see McKinnon. If Landeskog is on the bench, that's fine. And it's interesting that Rantanen, who scores as much as he does, is the guy that we'd like to play against. 30 goals, 36 assists. And we're and saying plus 30. We're saying start him. Yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> well, either, either way you slice that pie, it's going to taste bad. Yeah, right. It is. <laughs> okay, Randy, start one, bench one, cut one. Stanley Cup playoffs, March Madness, or the Super Bowl? Okay, I am going to. I'm going to cut the Super Bowl because it's only one day, mm-hmm. and it's great, it's fun. I'm going to put... But it's a spectacular day. It is. Yeah, it is. I'm going to keep March Madness because you got the whole month. So you're benching it? Benching it, yeah. And then I'm starting the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's there's nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs. And there's... In life, you can like a lot of things. But if you're a hockey fan, there's no way you can like anything better than overtime in a Stanley Cup playoff hockey game. You just can't. If If your team is in it... Has there ever, ever been a greater moment in your life than when Pat Maroon scored that double overtime goal for the Blues against Dallas? Not for o- me. Only David Freeze. Yeah. But, it, but from a hockey it, perspective, it, no. It, it's hard to find him. So I'm I'm absolutely starting the Stanley Cup playoffs. I So I was thinking a lot about this one as I was driving in this morning. And the thing about March Madness is, yes, you mentioned it's a month. But also, you have such a rooting interest in so many different mm-hmm. teams for so many different reasons. And half the time, you're throwing out the team you had initially had a rooting interest win when the, <laughs> when the game started um, in favor of a Cinderella or an upset, which makes it great. But if your team is in it, there is nothing better in sports than the Stanley Cup playoffs. No. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I'm with you. I think I'm starting the Stanley Cup playoffs. I am benching March Madness, and I'm cutting the Super Bowl. Yeah. And by the way, the NFL did what they did, so we, it's easy to cut the Super Bowl for me. But the fact that a lot of people would disagree with us, even here in St. Louis, because Mm -hmm. it's an entire day. It's a day of celebration. It's a day of nachos. It's a day of hanging with your friends. You have the halftime entertainment. It's usually a great matchup. It's it's an awesome day. My favorite non-sports stat about Super Bowl Sunday is that the day with the most food consumption in America every year is Thanksgiving Day. The day with the second most food consumption in America every year is Super Bowl Sunday. Wow. It's not 4th of July. It's not uh, Christmas. It's Super Bowl Sunday. So that tells you that it is. It's a national holiday. All right, Emily, what do you got for us on the text line 65780? From the 618, take, I'm sorry, not take it or leave it. From the (laughs) 618, star one, bench one, cat one. Game seven World Series home plate umpires. (laughs) Oh, no. Joe West. Angel Hernandez, Don Denkinger. Ooh. Okay, I, this is easy for me. 
home plate, though. Denkinger was not a bad umpire. He made one bad call. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, he so, so you're gonna start him, right? Clearly starts. Yep. Joe West and Angel Hernandez both believe that even in World Series Game 7, people have bought tickets to watch them umpire. Hmm. But Angel Hernandez literally admitted that he didn't know what happened and he took a guess. I don't think Joe West has ever admitted that he took a <laughs> guess. So I am cutting Angel and benching Joe West. Okay, I'm, I'm with you on that because <laughs> those two could go either way yeah. for me, but I think that's as good of a rationale as any to cut him. Angel's the worst. <laughs> He's terrible. They really think that people purchase tickets to see them? No, they think that, but they do? nobody does. No, I mean, they oh, really yeah. think that? They put on a show like they, the people are paying to see them, yeah. Great. From the 618, start one, bench one, cut one, Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, Chris Davis. And I'm assuming the yeah. text means Chris Davis of the Orioles. Right, yes. C. C Chris, yes, it's a C. Davis. C. Davis. Okay, this is bad. Okay, so Albert is uh, number, Albert Cabrera and Chris Davis. All have outrageous contracts. Mm-hmm. And obviously, somebody has already decided to cut Albert. I. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> I am going to. Uh, of this group, I'm actually going to start Albert. So am I. And then I will bench Cabrera and I'll cut Chris Davis, who has been an abject disaster for the last few years. I'm, I'm doing the same thing. A lot of money there. That feels unnecessary, but I think if you're looking at this group, you have to start Albert Pujols for Chris, a lot of reasons. Yeah. Chris Davis, the former All-Star, for the last several years, let me give you his salaries, uh, through next year is making $23 million. He's made $23 million a year from 2016 through next year. $23 million in each of those years. In uh, those years, in terms of his offensive production, which is why he got the $23 million a year, he has had years of 219 strikeouts and a 792 OPS, then a 732 OPS with a uh, 195 batting average, a 539 OPS with a 168 batting average, a 601 OPS with a 179, and... Last year, he's not playing anymore. Last year, a 337 OPS with a 115 batting average. An unbelievable waste of money. And now he, he actually has cut two. So uh, you, you got that going. So he is, he's been worse than any of the other guys. And maybe it's because we're in St. Louis and we are conditioned to still think that Albert Pujols, anytime he steps in the box, is capable of something major, mm-hmm. even though the numbers obviously haven't bared that out for a while. Um, but I just think out of those three guys, if you're in a high leverage situation, you want Albert up. And we look at the 850 OPS against left-handers. Miguel Cabrera hasn't been able to pull that off. He, he's bad, too. They're all bad, but I, I would keep Albert... And I, I think I, yeah, I, I would have Cabrera on my bench, and then I would cut Davis. That's the way I would go. From the G- great question, by the way. From the five seven three, start one bench one, cut one on where to spend the long weekend. Oh, New York City, Nashville, San Francisco. Starting New York City because it's one of the best cities in the world, mm-hmm. and there is an energy in New York City that you just can't replicate anywhere else. And there's so many things to do. I am going to bench San Francisco. Great city. Again, a lot of things to do. Amazing food in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. If you've never had a bread bowl filled with clam chowder that you get from a cart over by the bay, you're not living. 
And then I'm cutting Nashville. Sure. I'm cutting Nashville. Like the city, but you know, I don't I don't need to go on Broadway and battle at the bar for, with a bunch of bachelorette parties for a beer. I think I'm good there. Michelle, this is exceptionally difficult for me. And Nashville clearly is the one that I cut. Yeah. The food in both San Francisco and New York is great. I've gone on magnificent bike rides in both. Did the Five Borough Ride in New York. So cool. And rode across the gateway, the uh, Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. I think that if somebody is going to pick the trip for me in terms of time of year, I'm going to go with San Francisco simply because I don't have to worry about the weather out there. So I'm going to start San Francisco and bench New York, but that's a very difficult thing to do. You can't go wrong either way. You really can't. No. From the 636, start one, bench one, cut one, hole, pronger, Cujo. Okay. Again, I... uh, These are tough. That's pain. That's painful. Yeah. I think I'm going to do it in that order, though. I think I'm going to start Brett Hall, bench prongs, cut Cujo, and I feel awful about it. I yeah. I hate that I even had to make that decision. Right. It's easy for me to cut Cujo in this group. Not that it's something I enjoy doing. I'm like oh, you. Love Cujo. Yeah. But in terms of a guy taking over a game, and Holly did that with his offensive prowess. But I'm going to start prongs because prongs can control the back end defensively. I always tell the story about how Quenville it used to be that overtime was four on four rather than three on three. Quenville would put up three forwards and then pronger would be his only defenseman because he knew that pronger could cover the back end of the ice. So because prongs is so dominant in that aspect of the game, I'm going to start prongs bench Holly cut Cujo. When you see Chris Pronger in real life, you can't believe how big he is. He's a monster. And then I think about him on skates. Yeah. I think about him out on the ice. Incredible. Hully could be neutralized. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Uh, You you can find a way to to neutralize Hully. Not easy because if you look at his playoffs off the charts. But you can't neutralize great defense. And that's what Prongs provided. From the 314, start one, bench one, cut one. Ribs, brisket, burnt ends. All right, Michelle. I am, uh, okay, again, easy for me, and this is weird, isn't it? Yeah. Burn ends get cut. Same. I don't, I don't, I don't dislike them. I'm not going to say no, but I'm never ordering them. Burnt ends are my favorite. Are they? Oh, yeah. Uh, Ribs, you pick them up and they make your hands dirty. They're messy. Not bad to to lick the barbecue sauce off. Uh, Ribs get benched and brisket gets started. I'm benching brisket. I'm starting Mm, ribs. Okay. I, I like don't care that, that they're messy. I, ribs I, are the jam. I, I love the fact jam. that I can make a brisket sandwich. Yeah, but in this scenario, I wasn't thinking that bread was involved. I was thinking of just the meat. Still, just the meat. I'm still going with the brisket. Tough choice. Tough choice. Yeah, and cutting burnt ends. I mean, how do we do that? We did it. That just happened. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And uh, thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Okay, presuming David Perron is not available to the Blues for this series against the Colorado Avalanche, who needs to step up? That's coming your way with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
kickoff tonight in Denver against the Colorado Avalanche at Ball Arena. 8 o'clock with the pregame here on your home of the Blues. 9 o'clock with the faceoff. And I think we can pretty safely say that David Perron will not be in the lineup for tonight's game. And somebody is going to have to step up. And, Michelle, there's a difference between stepping up and filling in and Vladimir Tarasenko will take his spot in the lineup that the spot that David Perron had in terms of the roster Vladimir Tarasenko will be one of the the 12 forwards but in terms of stepping up in his absence especially if he's gone for the whole series I look up and down this roster and I say okay who's a guy that can go to the net who's a guy that's done it before that really needs to provide production in the absence of David Perron and when I look at that, I don't see Tarasenko. I see Robert Thomas. Mm-hmm. He's got three goals this year in 33 games. We know that he can score more than that. We know that he hasn't been particularly aggressive this year in going to the net. But if I'm going to pick one guy that I think the Blues need to have step up in David Perron's absence and do some of the things that Perron does, it's Robert Thomas. Robert Thomas is a great pick. And I hear you on Vladdy. I guess when I look at it, I look at a talented player who has been a star for you. And I know he's dealt with a lot of injuries. And he may never be the Vladimir Tarasenko that we have seen in years past. But we've had conversations, Randy, about leaving Vladimir Tarasenko unprotected when it comes to the Mm -hmm. expansion draft. If you're him and you're looking at this moment in time for you, this is an opportunity for you to to in any way show that you are still the Vladdy that blew fans have known as as one of the guys on this team. And I thought it was interesting last week when we had our buddy Panger on and asked him about Vladdy and Vladimir Tarasenko this year has played 24 games and he said, yeah, he's had four or five good games. And this is a one of the best analysts in North America, right. maybe, maybe the best. Yeah, he's had four or five good games out of 24. That's disconcerting. And Vladimir Tarasenko needs to recognize that and have a good game every time out during the playoffs. That's what makes the great ones great. Absolutely. I think my pick, though, is, I, first of all, the Blues are going to have to play a lot like we saw them in 2019 mm-hmm. if they want, want to advance to the next round. And I mean physical. I mean gritty. We need to see them summon that energy that we know that they're capable of. And so many guys on this team went through that experience together. They know how to turn that on if need be. And so if I look back to that run and I want to extract one guy that I think is capable of getting hot at the right time and carrying a team, it's Shaden Schwartz. Yep. It's Shane yeah. Schwartz. We saw him do it in 2019. A couple of hat tricks in the postseason. When he gets hot at the right time, no one can stop him. And he is also a guy that's very capable of doing damage on the power play. So that's a really good call. Meanwhile, what are the Blues thinking as they head into the playoffs without David Perron? Here's Ryan O'Reilly on the Blues' confidence level. We all we all know how important David is to the, this team. And, you know, for us, though, we, we know how deep we are, too. You know, we're not, uh, you know, just the way we're built. There's guys that have been able to step up throughout the year coming in and with injuries we've had guys, you know, performing and, and stepping up. So it's, you know, that's, you know, that's our group. You know, these bounces happen and we don't want to get through it. We don't want to face adversity and, and uh, yeah, we're excited. Yeah. You just hope that it's shorter rather than longer because he's one of your two best forwards. Mm-hmm. O'Reilly and Perron are your two best forwards. And, any team losing its second best forward is going to have issues, especially come playoff time. Tori Krug, what do you think of the impact of losing DP 57? Yeah, I mean, he, he led our team in scoring and um, he's a big part of, you know, what we do, especially on the power play. Five on five, he, he's in on the four check and he competes like crazy. So um, if we don't have him, it's a big blow for sure. 
It's another part of it is the power play. I'm interested right. to see how the power play units stack up. So am I. Absolutely. But, you know, David Perron does lead the team with 58 points, 19 goals, 39 assists. But more than that, yeah, well, yeah, not more than that, but maybe almost tied for first with that, I should say, is what he brings to the team on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. And when you need to get into your routine for the playoffs, when you need to get into your mental headspace for the playoffs, David Perron is a guy that is so integral to this team on so many levels from a leadership perspective. He talked to us about how when the guys were going out on the ice, he made sure to go around before games and say something to every single guy before they go out there and how he knows how to finesse everyone. Some guys don't really need a lot, maybe just a pat on the back. Some guys need a joke before they go out there so that they can feel a little bit lighter before they go into a high-pressurized situation. David Prun brings so much to this team on and off the ice. It's going to be a big loss for them. Yeah. And hopefully it's only game one. And it's different if it's an ankle or an elbow or something like that. But when you have to be quarantined because mm-hmm. of COVID, you can't do those things. Tori Krug, how can the Blues overcome this loss? Well, we've been doing it all year long. I mean, um, the next man up mentality that we've talked about, uh, guys have stepped in and um, you know, collectively as a group, stepped up, and uh, we've been able to overcome you know losing anyone on this group. But that's the thing about this team is there's no one that's bigger than the team, and um, we obviously have to do it uh, on a bigger stage now. Yeah, that's the thing. Just have a next man up situation on the biggest stage. First round of the playoffs against Colorado, best team in the league. But what has been the story with this Blues all season? Next man up, overcome obstacles. Mm-hmm. Player after player has been out this season for the Blues, and they're still in this position yeah. in the first round of the playoffs. So I just feel like it's ingrained in their DNA, and it, that's correct. There's no one person that's bigger than the team right. as a collective. And how many coaches can lose their leading score and have a three-time All-Star step in? Well, obviously, he's a great scorer. Um, he's proven that in the past. So, well, you know, he's going to have to produce, but he just has to play his game, get in there, be involved. You know, don't wait for things to happen. Go make them happen. Use his speed um, and his um, strength. He's a strong guy. He can get to the net. You know, all those things. You know, he's just got to play his game. Vladdy, you're 6'3 and 6 foot and 225. 6 foot tall, 225 pounds. He doesn't like it. But before he came here, his nickname was Tank. Yes, it was. He does not like that nickname, but no. it's a great nickname. And he needs to play like a tank in the playoffs. That's This is a time of year when you need to be a guy that plays like that, uh, like a tank. When you're going to the net mm-hmm. and you're utilizing your strength and your size and making a, the opposition pay for it and being fearless and letting pucks bounce off you and doing Pat Maroon type things. That's where Vladimir Tarasenko is right now. He's got to go to the net and hope that a puck will bounce off him. Don't try to shoot from 35 feet. Go to the net. Instead of the big rig, we're going to have the big tank in front of yeah, the net. There this, we go. This season. Yeah. Um, also, I really hope that we don't see those pesky second period issues pop up again. Because if, if that happens, then Colorado is going to take advantage of those mistakes every single time. Michelle, that was another thing about uh, this season against the, between these two teams. Blues outscored Colorado 11-8 to in the first period. They were even in the third period, 7-7. In the second period of games between the Blues and Colorado, Colorado outscored the Blues 11-3. to What is it about that second period? I don't know, but they seem to have fixed it. So hopefully, we mentioned earlier that the Blues have been outscored by Colorado 14-12, 5-on-5. Or the Blues outscored Colorado 14 to 12, 5 on 5. But when Colorado's on the power play, the Blues have only 
uh, have allowed 12 goals. When the Blues are on the power play, they've scored three. So special teams obviously has been a, a big part of it. The, so if you can stay out of the penalty box and have a solid second period, win the game. Also, one factor that we haven't really discussed um, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you need obviously skill, you need tenacity, and you also need a lot of luck. Luck, yeah. you have to have pucks bounce yeah. your way. Any thought on the President's Trophy here, the potential curse of the President's Trophy? The last team to win the President's Trophy in the Cup was the Blackhawks in 2013, and that is a problem. It's a, it's a weight on your shoulders. They might think it's not, but it is. And the Blues have an opportunity to ruin Stan Kroenke's team's season. And the other thing the Blues need is number 50 to be awesome. Which he can be. Yeah, we've seen it before. Yes. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Blues and Avalanche. Game one tonight. 8 o'clock pregame. 9 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. By the way, another late start on Wednesday. 9.30 for the start on Wednesday with an 8.30 pregame. And then even here in St. Louis on Friday night. 7.30 pregame. 8.30 faceoff at Enterprise Center. Thanks a lot, NBC. <laughs> Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy and Emily with you. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 657804. Take it or leave it. Michelle, did you see the story about uh, Wontarius Bryant, the former Austin P defensive back? He was receiving texts from Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator of the Falcons over the last couple of weeks, inviting him to try out for the Falcons last week. Each team has allowed a maximum of five players during COVID to come in and try out. So last Wednesday, Wontarius Bryant shows up at the Falcons practice facility and says, hey, I'm here for my tryout. And they said, who are you? He said, well, I've been communicating with Dean Pease via text. I got these 404 area code texts and I've been communicating with him. He invited me for uh, for a tryout. Falcons get in touch with Dean Pieces. I don't know who you're talking about. Falcons say, we haven't heard of you. We don't know who you are. We didn't do this. As it turns out, Wontarius Bryant was the victim of what they say is a cruel hoax, but take it or leave it. It's actually very creative and funny. Oh, I'm going to leave that. That's super mean. But hopefully now that his name is out there, he might get an opportunity somewhere. Yeah, so maybe somebody will give him a tryout. So That is, imagine... Having nothing going on in your life, being so miserable that you spend time to make up a fake phone number, come up with this master plan, and you text someone pretending to invite them to have an opportunity at their dream. That's awful. Kind of funny. I don't think it's funny at all. That person should go to jail. Arrest him. Uh, Wontarius says that the person should not be punished, but... Well, he's being nice. I say punish him. That's ridiculous. Get a hobby. It is a hobby. No. That's a people are the worst. Let me tell you. Let me tell Seriously, who does that? That's pretty mean. It was very elaborate. I'll say this. It was very elaborate, very involved. And yep. I wonder why. What's what's the reason why you would do that to somebody? It, because you, you want to embarrass them? You want to put them in a bad position? It's an elaborate prank. No, but that's not a prank. You're showing up to an NFL facility in hopes that you're going to get to try out for a professional football team. And if you've played football your entire life and through the collegiate ranks, playing for the NFL is your dream. This is not just, hey, I put a bunch of crickets in your car, LOL. (laughs) He was, by the way, a pretty good college player. 
And he said, I want to apologize to everyone in the Atlanta Falcons organization for the mix-up. I honestly thought it was a legit opportunity on my end. Ontarius Bryant, Austin P. Man, people. Okay, Randy, we, I don't know why you think it's so funny. I think it's mean. It is kind of mean, but the mean things can be funny. But what's, tell me what's funny about it. Okay, so you're his buddy, and you say, okay, maybe this guy's always been talking about, hey, I'm going to play in the league. I'm, I'm going to go play in the league. And you're another DB on Austin P. And you say, okay, well, let's give him his chance in the league. So you go get the 404 area code and say, hey, Wontarius, Dean Pease, want to come out and try out for the Falcons? Wontarius says, yeah, I'm going to go try out for the Falcons. This is a guy that's maybe, I'm just throwing out the possibility. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's always been that guy that says, yeah, I'm going to play in the league. Okay, I'm going to go try out in the league. Then he gets there and they say, oh, yeah, we really haven't heard of you. Okay, well, then eye for an eye. And that person, whatever their career hopes are, let's come up with a fake recruiter that finds their resume on Indeed.com and, and says, there's an opportunity for you to work at at Bank of America. We would love to have you come in. Go out, get a new suit, show up. We're ready to hire you. For each great prank, there has to be retribution. Like when one time during the fast lane, Mike Ryder left the office for whatever reason. I think he just went down to get some water or something from the the kitchen area. And Brad Thompson had brought in a wrench and he loosened every bolt on Mike Ryder's (laughs) chair. (laughs) And Mike comes back and the chair just collapses. Did he bring a wrench from home? Yeah. (laughs) It was mean. It was really mean. But I laughed. Did he, did Ryder get back at him? I don't know if we got back at BT or not. No, I think now is the time that we stop talking about retributions for pranks because I know Anthony Stalter does listen in the morning. Oh, yeah, this is true. And we may or may not have pulled an April Fool's prank on Anthony Stalter on live radio. (laughs) That's pretty funny, too. I don't think it was cruel at all. I think it was very funny. No, we had someone that was his biggest fan calling. That's That's true, Ira. Just tell him how great he was. That's not mean. (laughs) Okay, Brady, so we have been caught up in the excitement of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, the Blues, their first round, we're we're really hyped about that. We haven't talked at all about the NBA playoffs starting. Take it or leave it. You're more intrigued by the NBA playoffs because of the play-in games. 100% take it. As a matter of fact, I think the most compelling thing that can happen during these playoffs is happening in the playoffs or in the play-in with Steph and the Warriors against LeBron and the Lakers. I think that'll be the game and that'll be the series of the NBA playoffs. I agree. It's a dream matchup and it's going to be very fun. And I think that this is definitely going to bring in people who, like us, weren't necessarily locked in to the NBA during the regular season. I'm definitely intrigued by these games. And I'm telling you. Washington is going to be great too. Yeah, it, it will be. And yeah, you're going to have some less than stellar matchups. You've got the Pacers and the Hornets. but uh, And then the other one is going to be uh, Memphis and San Antonio. But the Boston-Washington, I mean, you've got the two most storied franchises in history playing in the playoff, play-in games. That's pretty cool. All right, to your text, 65780. Emily, what do you got for us? From the 618, take it or leave it, Schilt made a mistake not questioning the Machado-Edmund play. I will, uh, I'll leave that. uh, They've got a really good look at everything. I'm going to leave that. I'm sorry. I'm distracted because Anthony Stalser just texted you and I a horse head emoji, an Italian flag emoji, and a skull and crossbones emoji. That's kind of scary. (laughs) Sorry, Anthony. We love you. (laughs) We aren't going to show up at the Falcons facility, though. That's true. Oh, sorry, Emily. (laughs) Do you need me to reread it? No, please. Next. I'm sorry. (laughs) Just distracted. Anthony did not forget. No, not yet. People don't forget. (laughs)
<laughs> from the 6-6-0, take it or leave it. Perron comes back in game two, and the Blues beat Colorado in seven games. I'll take it. Take it. Take both things. Take it and take it. And imagine the lift emotionally and from a skill perspective that they're going to get when he returns. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. From the 6-1-8, take it or leave it, the Wild beat the Golden Knights, Blues beat the Avs, Blues beat the Wild, and win the West. Take it. Uh, Minnesota already off and running, winning yesterday in overtime, 1-0. Randy, what is one of the pillars of this show? All roads lead to hardware. So we're taking it. And if something untoward should happen, the second pillar is deflect blame at all costs. (laughs) (laughs) And so we still need two other pillars. Workshopping. Working on it, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Coming up, we want to hear from you. Should the Cardinals have been more aggressive with Albert Pujols and more on the Blues opening up the playoffs against the Colorado Avalanche tonight? We might have a surprise for you coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Hey, buddy, we're here. We're here. Blues Avalanche tonight. Game one in Denver at Ball Arena. Ball makes jars. So we've got the number one rental car company in America with sponsoring our building. Yeah, they will. They've got a pickling jar company sponsoring the Stan Kroenke owned building. I was just going to say, and we have one of the greatest owners in all of sports mm-hmm. in Tom Stillman. They have like one of the worst human beings in the history of the world. In the hi- in, in the history of, of humankind. Yeah. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. And there's a lot of so, bad people who have walked this earth. Yeah. He's up there. Hashtag LGB. By the way, Chris Kerber is going to join us in the next segment. Michelle, during the course of this week, let me... Uh, Set something up for you. Okay. 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 So for uh, the last couple of weeks, we listen to the fast lane. I text into the fast lane. You text into the fast Love lane. Love the fast lane. We, yeah, we do. And for whatever reason, they've been giving away tickets to stuff. So we have a show meeting with Tommy Mattern, our uh, our <laughs> our boss. And Michelle says, why don't we ever get tickets to give away? And he says, well, I'll find out right now. So he texts our promotions director, Matthew Chambers, and says, why do you hate Carriker and Smallman? That's right. Why don't you let them give away tickets? Uh, because Michelle had asked, why don't you allow us to You know, we tickets? love our listeners. Yeah, we, we, love our, we love our listeners more than the Fastlane loves theirs. I think it's time for first, but, you know, people are driving. When you're listening to the Fastlane, you're driving home. You mm-hmm. have had a tough day of work. They're going to make you laugh. They're going to give you great information, great analysis. But you're on your way to something great. You're likely going home to have dinner yeah. with your family. Mm-hmm. Relax a little bit. Watch the game. A lot of people listening to us, they're driving to work. And right. sometimes that's not so great. Need so a little pick-me-up. We need a little pick-me-up. So we wanted to give something to our listeners to say thank you for listening and that we hope you have a great day. So we're giving away Cardinal tickets. We're giving away two four-packs of tickets today and tomorrow. And this is the Budweiser Bash game tickets that include the Ken Reitz bobblehead. So here's what we need to do. We've, we've come up with rules, and they're very strict. And, <laughs> Michelle, you've got them. Okay, so we're going to give away two sets of tickets today. So you're going to have to listen to the the entirety of the show. You're going to have two opportunities to win. And this is a two-pronged process. Number one, right now, if you would like to win Cardinals tickets, you need to text the keyword, which is... 
Albert. To 65780, Air Comfort Service text line. 65780, keyword Albert. The second part of this is if we select you as the winner, you need to have your phone by you at 845 because in true character and smallman fashion, in order to actually secure the tickets, we're going to call you up and you have to tell us a dad joke. That's important. It's important. We want to bring you joy and give you tickets to a game, and we want to laugh. We want to have a good time this morning. So give us a dad joke. So text Albert 65780 and... Then we'll call you at 845 if you are the winner, and you'll have the opportunity. And oh, by the way, we're giving away two four-packs, so we might do this again in the 9 o'clock hour. Maybe. This could happen. And every day this week. That's right. Uh, Michelle, do you think the Cardinals, who did not agree to terms with Albert Pujols over the weekend, he agreed to terms with the Dodgers, do you think the Cardinals should have been more aggressive? Here he is, this iconic player, the greatest player that we will ever see. We didn't see Stan Musial. Do you think the Cardinals should have given the gift of Albert to their fans in 2021? I do not. And while I would have loved to see it, it would have been an incredible, incredible story. I do think it's a very difficult situation to navigate, especially if Albert is only going to be a guy off the bench at times. We know that he wants to play a lot. He's not going to get that opportunity here. And I think the situation that he landed in in L.A. is great because there's not a lot of pressure on him. He has an opportunity to win. He's going to get playing time at least early on. And I, I think... It's, it's difficult to accept a role as a guy in a place where you have been the guy for 10 years and where you will still be treated by everyone within the organization and by the fan base as the guy. The role you're being asked to play does not match the environment that you're in, and that's very difficult. I, I'm really torn because clearly, professionally, it's unbelievable content if he's here. It's great for us. It, it's a discussion every single day. That being said, as a Cardinal fan, somebody who wants to see the team succeed, in addition to everything that you said, if he's on the team and his role is as a pinch hitter and he pinch hits for the pitcher in the seventh inning and gets a single, the guy can't run anymore. Mm -hmm. So then you have to pinch run. So you've gotten rid of your pitcher for a new pitcher You've used a pinch hitter, and then you had to use another position player to pinch run for him because he literally cannot run anymore. So it just is not a fit. He's better as a quasi-everyday player, I think, for the Dodgers than he would be here. And I do... Th the, the other problem you run into with the Cardinals, it's different than Matt Carpenter because if you have a guy making the minimum and he can't do anything for you, you, you cut him. And it's a bad look if the Cardinals have to DFA Albert Pools. You don't want to put yourself in that position where you have to get rid of him because you need a guy that can run. You, I don't even want to think about that. That would be really rough. But also, with Albert leaving St. Louis, the last memory that Cardinals fans have of him in Bush Stadium was his return home. He hits a home run. It was an unbelievable unbelievably celebratory weekend in a great moment and the way that I look at it that's the way that I would like to have it immortalized for me as someone who was a fan who is a fan of his and who 
was the recipient of more great moments than I can possibly count. I loved watching him wear the birds on the bat, and I think it's so poetic that that's the last time that he was in Bush Stadium and that Cardinals fans and Albert got to have that reunion together. I don't want it to be where the Cardinals are in a really tough situation and Albert steps in the box and he's struggling. I don't want that to be the end. I don't want the story between Albert and the Cardinals to end that way. I don't. Uh, By the way, the Dodgers will be here on September 6th, 7th, and 8th, and 9th. Does he get a standing O every time he steps to the plate in that series? Yes, of course. Okay, so here's the next thing then. Game 5, NLCS, Cardinals down three games to two, leading, no, tied 2-2 with a chance to go up 3-2 in the series. Albert steps to the plate in the eighth inning of Game 5 here. And if the Cardinals win the game, they go back to L.A. up 3-2. to two. Runner on at third, one out. Does Albert get a standing ovation? No. In the NLCS against no. the Cardinals? No. At that point, you're wearing someone else's laundry. You're the opponent. And I think whatever team he would have joined, if he would have come back mm-hmm. to Bush Stadium, he'll, of course, get respect. He'll, he'll get the adoration that he deserves here. But because he had that first moment, that's the way I think most people will remember it. And if he steps into the box in that situation, how scared are you of him? Pretty scared. Are He's you? doing it in Bush Stadium, yeah. It's different because it's here. I don't know. I I still think that he's obviously a guy that because of the body of work that you're going to fear on some levels. But I think I'm going to look at the player that he is right now, look at the numbers, and I don't know if I'm that scared. Oh, my, my head is going to say I'm not worried, but my heart is going to say he's got one more. It, it happens with, with every guy like that. You always expect the guy to have one more. Okay, well, if Alex Reyes is on the mound, I like our chances. I do too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think that he's he's one of the all-time greats, so he always has that threat in him. But I think the fact that we're even having this discussion is another reason why I'm okay with the Cardinals not pursuing him. And we will hear from you later in the show. But coming up with the Blues getting underway in the playoffs, we are going to hear from the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber joins us next on Carriker and Smallman. We are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Carriker and Smallman on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN, 9 o'clock with the faceoff tonight, 8 o'clock pregame. And then at 9, Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale will have the call. Kerbs is with us now on Carriker and Smallman. Good morning, sir. How you doing and how fired up are you? Oh, man, I can't wait to see what happens today. It's amazing the challenges this team has had to face this year, isn't it? So just one more hurdle and uh, this one, it all counts. So this will be good. And. Curbs, take us through the David Perron situation. Well, a couple of days ago, of course, every player has to go in uh, every single day. They've been doing this, believe it or not, since like December 28th. I mean, imagine imagine folks getting up every single day and your nose is getting swabbed since December 28th, whether uh, it's an off day or not, uh, whether you're on the road or not. And he wound up somehow testing positive for COVID. Uh, so I don't know what his vaccination scenario was. Um, I know most of the players uh, were vaccinated. Uh, some were not. I don't. I do not know what David's was, but uh, he tested positive. So what they'll do is they'll they'll run some other tests. They'll do a second and a third test just to make sure it's not a false positive. We've seen plenty of those uh, over the course of pro sports in the last year, right? And okay. um, if, if it does remain, if he is, if it is a confirmed positive test, he's essentially on the shelf for uh, could be up to ten days. So. 
Um, we'll just have to wait and see how that all plays out. Um, the team is not saying anything. The team is basically saying that, uh, you know, once you, once you're in the kind of the system, I guess is the way to put it. They, they leave it all up to the league to determine a protocol. And so that's where it sits. Uh, that, that would lead me to think he's not available tonight. And, uh, and we just keep our fingers crossed. We can get him back soon. And we know curves, how important David Prawn is to this team. He les- leads the blues with points, but how big of a loss is it to not have David Prawn out there in game one? Well, huge. Huge. I mean, it's it's losing one of your top. Uh, well, you're losing one of your top two offensive players, and you're losing one of your top three forwards. I mean, that's that that's big. It it, it would be like Colorado losing Rantanen, uh, McKinnon, or Landeskog. One of those three guys. I mean, in, in my opinion, so it's it's big. Um, but that's what this team has done. They, they've got the ability to to overcome injuries. They've got the ability to overcome situations. You know, and now, I mean, now whether it's a, a, a Braden Shen that's going to end up on that right wing, which based on Ryan O'Reilly's comments to the media yesterday, sounds like that's possible. Whether Craig Berube juggles those lines and we see if Tarasenko's back in there, he gets some shifts there. Maybe Mike Hoffman. We've seen Jordan Cairo on the right wing. They've got some offensive ability. They're just going to need some other guys to step up. The, the hard part to me to replace is just uh, David's compete level. I mean, it's that's typically off the charts. And when he's on, uh, he could be as hard as anybody in the National Hockey League to take the puck away from. Curbs, obviously there are a lot of things in a playoff series that have to happen. But for me, number one for the Blues, based on what we saw during the regular season against this team, they have to stay out of the penalty box. Twelve power play goals allowed to Colorado in the eight games they played. Yeah, we've harped on this one. Uh, if you can keep the, this at even strength, you've got yourself a chance. Uh, at even strength, they actually outscored Colorado 15 to 13 in the regular season. That's pretty doggone good. The penalty kill, though, I mean, I have never seen a power play completely obliterate another team like what we saw with Colorado this season. Now, the Blues penalty kill is playing better. I'm still not sure I want to test it, to be honest with you. <laughs> with you. <laughs> you know, so, uh, I mean, I'll test our power play all day long if Colorado wants to take some penalties, but. Uh, um, yeah, the Blues are going to have to stay out of the penalty box. And look, they are going to take some penalties. Colorado's got a good transition game. Uh, you, you're going to get called for a slasher hook here at some point in time, and probably earlier in the game than later. You know, but you just got to you got to, as Craig Berube says, defend with your feet and stick on puck, because this Colorado power play was was just that deadly. And there's no reason to think it's not going to be on you when you get to this point. And what we saw, like you know, watching watching a couple of the game, watching the Minnesota Vegas game yesterday, right? Fiala gets called with an absolute junk slash. I mean, brutal, uh, soft call. But by the end of the game, all that stuff was being let go. So I think, you know, if you, especially early on in the game, if you can make sure that you're defending with your feet, you're playing with your energy, you're competing with your legs, and you're putting stick on puck to avoid the penalty box, you know how we see that standard get a little tighter as the game goes on. Curbs, we know it's going to take effort and contributions from everyone in order to survive and advance in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But who is someone that you're looking at that you think can bring it to another level in the postseason that will help the Blues beat the Avs? Well, I, to me, there's there's several fronts on this one, Michelle. On, on the forward side, it, it, it's Schwartz and Thomas. Um, you Obviously, we've seen with how Jaden Schwartz can carry a team when he gets going. So he had a goal in that last game that he played. Hopefully, he's feeling it. And we see him come alive uh, even more in the playoffs. Robert Thomas becomes a real swing man here uh, for me because uh, if, if he can find production, if he can find a way to, to pick up some assists and some and, and, and a goal here or there too, 
Uh, I think that's going to be huge for the St. Louis Blues depth now that it's being tested even more. I, I don't come in, even if Vladimir Tarasenko is ready to go today, guys, I don't come in with high expectations there. I have hope, but not high expectations because I just don't know at this point in time truly how he's feeling on all fronts and what would be the fair expectation there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that you know, we should expect any more from Sammy Blay or Zach Sanford than what we've seen, you know, but uh, so those two guys from a forward standpoint uh, to me are the ones where I think you, you've got uh, more upside for, for potential defensively, man, I, I I'm looking forward to watching Colton Perico in this series. He has always seen the play well against Colorado. He's had some big games in Colorado and, and if he's healthy and playing healthy like he was down the stretch, uh, that, that's a huge benefit for the St. Louis Blues. So he on the defensive side is the one I'm looking forward to watching. Curbs, for people that have watched hockey for a long time, the Blues historically under Doug Armstrong, they've been built for, in a regular season, game number 83. They, they've been built for the playoffs. And you you could see that. You, you could walk into a room and you, you would see Bomeister and you'd see Petro and you'd see Maroon a couple of years ago. That team was built and it was, it was a big playoff team. This team seems to be a little bit different to me. Not that they can't win in the playoffs, but they're just built differently for this time of year. They feel like a team in transition, don't they? Yeah, they do to me. Like, like they feel like one where you may not have the same size and grit to hold the puck in the offensive zone, but with Cairo and Thomas, you've got a little more speed, right? And, and so Colorado's got a lot of speed. But they don't, I don't think that they're, but then they're more of a transition team kind of thing. And, and that, I think that's what makes it tough. And, and Vegas to me, Vegas to me is more of that. They've got some speed, but they could also grind you down low, which is what makes Vegas that much more difficult. I, I agree with you, Randy. I think it, it, it makes you intrigued to see how this team is going to respond because to beat Colorado. And if you've watched every, if you've watched the, the playoffs game so far, every one of them has been a heavy game, every one of them, you know, and, and if the blues can play that style, that's going to be a challenge. Now, Colorado has gone to the second round each of the last two years. They've lost in game seven. They've built some playoff experience that are trying to get over the hump. But I still think that if the Blues can get in on the forecheck and they don't turn the puck over in the neutral zone with, with, with soft plays, if they can get the puck in deep and get in on the forecheck, that is where they're going to win this series because they're just going to have to frustrate Colorado by making them play in their own end. Yeah, that's the key. And it, there's a difference between making soft plays and being soft, and we aren't talking about that, but you just have to make hard plays and be difficult. Be The old line is, and I love it in hockey, be miserable to play against. Look, you can't, you, you, you can't get the puck up to your blue line, reach for it, and then just try a soft chip out into the neutral zone because you weren't skating. Right, you, you you can't just you can't just flip it up towards the blue line, hoping that you get a bounce and it goes out. It's got to get high off the glass and either make the defenseman get over there and completely have to knock it down out of the air or or take it in the ear. You know, like those are the kind of plays, and you've got to do that consistently because this Colorado team. What happens is when when you make a play like that, Randy, and that's why we call it a soft play. The forward, your other teammates think that the puck is going out. Right, they're expecting you. To, it's the accountability. They're expecting you to make that play. And then so they jump to where they think they should be based on that play. When you don't make that play, that's when teams like Colorado can come back and bite you because they've got numbers on you and, and you've got guys going the wrong way. So um, though I, I, I think just the the clean plays at the lines tonight and, and, and in this playoff series could end up dictating the series, to be honest with you. Curbs, we're looking forward to it. We know it's going to be a long day and night for you, and we appreciate you joining us this morning here on Carriker and Smallman. 
Got plenty of rest for this week, Randy. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> All right, brother. Take care. We'll see you later. All right, guys. You got it. Have a good day. You too. That's the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber on 101 ESPN. Game one tonight. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. It'll be great. Coming up, we've got the fight for you with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Character and Smallman on this Monday here on 101 ESPN. It's 834. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And since it is time for the fight, Randy, a.k.a. Megamine, is going to challenge one of our listeners in a sports trivia competition. That person's name is also Randy. It's a Randy v. Randy fight today. So what's up, Randy? How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you guys? We're doing great. Randy, where are you calling from? I'm from Highland. Across the river. I'm from Illinois, too, Randy. I love it. Absolutely. All right. Well, good luck to you, and hopefully you take down the other Randy today. Okay, yeah, let's hope so. Not feeling very good about that, but uh, let's see. We'll we'll see about that. (laughs) Are you a baseball fan, Randy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bring that on. You got three or four baseball questions, so I think you're in a good spot here. You're in a good spot. Okay, question number one. Greg Maddox, the younger brother of Cardinals pitching coach Mike Maddox, was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2014 alongside which former teammate? Was it Kerry Wood, John Smoltz, or Tom Glavin? I'm pretty sure it was John Smoltz. Yachty hit his first career home run at Petco Park on Saturday. Which MLB stadium is the only current NL ballpark left that he has yet to hit a home run in? Is it Oracle Park, Nationals Park, or Coors Field? Let's go with uh, Oracle Park. Good question, Emily. Love that one. Thank you. Question number three. Matt Carpenter made his pitching debut on Saturday night. Who was the last position player to pitch for the Cardinals before this? Was it Mac Schrock, Greg Garcia, or Jed Jerko? Jed Jerko. And Steph Curry has won the 2020-2021 NBA scoring title at age 33, becoming the oldest player to do so since which other guard accomplished the feat? Jerry West, James Harden, Michael Jordan. Could you repeat that question? Absolutely. Steph Curry has won the 2020-2021 NBA scoring title at age 33, becoming the oldest player to do so since which other guard accomplished the feat? Was it Jerry West, James Harden, or Michael Jordan? Let's go with uh, let's go with James Harden. Okay, checking our score here. Randy's on his way in from the three one four. We get a text that says, "I got twenty bucks on Randy winning." I was like point zero zero one seconds behind, about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, are we gambling in here? Of course, Fandle 
sports oh. book, America's yeah. number one sports book. Yes, Promo code Smalls. Yeah. Randy, say hello to Randy, your competition. Randy, good morning. You got a great name. How you doing? Good morning. Yeah, just fine. How are you, sir? Everything's great. We appreciate you listening and playing today. Randy. Hey, can I uh, throw a little uh, tidbit in there? I, I saw you in Chicago. You were riding uh, riding your bike up and down the streets of Chicago uh-huh. um, in the early morning, and uh, we happened to, uh, uh, so to speak, r- run into you as we were as we were yeah. pedestrianing across the street. Do you happen to remember that a couple I years ago? I do remember that. That was the morning of the bike, the drive. They closed down Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. Memorial Day weekend yep. in non-pandemic times, and I was headed towards uh, Bike the Drive, and we met. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, absolutely. We really appreciated that. No, appreciate you stopping and uh, and chatting for a minute. No problem. And it's Thanks great to have you on that. the station. Randy, you're such Thanks a celebrity. A you get spotted everywhere you go. It's like TMZ. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you'd be in Us Weekly in the pages of you riding your bike like stars. They're just like us. They ride their bike too. Randy Carricker. <laughs> okay, Randy. Yeah. Question number one. Randy from Creve Corps, not Randy from Highland. Greg Maddox, younger yep. brother of Cardinals pitching coach Mike Maddox, was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2014 alongside which former teammate? Tom Glavin. Maddox and Glavin together and then Smoltz, I think, a year later. Yachty hit his first career home run at Petco Park on Saturday. Which MLB stadium is the only current NL ballpark left that he has yet to hit a home run in? Only NL ballpark where he hasn't hit a home run. He's hit one at Bush. Let's see. Cards, Cubs, Red Roof, all, all of those. Um, definitely hit one in Miami. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the new park in Atlanta. Matt Carpenter made his pitching debut on Saturday night. Who was the last position player to pitch for the Cardinals before this? Oh, I should know this because it was, I know a long time ago it was Aaron Miles. Was it Jed Jerko? Give me the lifeline, Michelle. Is it Mac Schrock, Greg Garcia, or Jed Jerko? I'm going to go with Mac Schrock last year. And Steph Curry has won the 2020-2021 NBA scoring title at age 33 becoming the oldest player to do so since which other guard accomplished the feat? Logic would tell you that it would be Kobe. And I will go with... Uh, should I go with Kobe? Let's see. Was there anybody else? The la- the other The last guard to lead the league in scoring. So it's not an age thing, right? This is the last guard to lead the league in scoring? Is that correct? Is that the way this story, the question plays out? I got this from can, The Athletic. Okay, can we just read it again then? Steph Curry has won the 2020-2021 NBA scoring title mm-hmm. at age 33, okay. becoming the oldest player to do so, since which other guard okay. accomplished the feat. Okay, so at the age of 33, oldest since. Yeah, it's an age thing. Yeah, it is an age thing. Um, okay, I will go with, because... LeBron doesn't lead the league in scoring. Steph has led it a lot, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Kobe Bryant. Okay. Emily, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com.
Randy, I'm sorry, but Randy beat you. In a Randy off, Randy won. Um, Not surprised. Not surprised. Randy from Creve Corps defeated Randy from Highland two to nothing. Two to nothing. Tough fight today. So, oh, no. <laughs> Greg Maddox was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2014 alongside Tom Glavin. The only current National League ballpark left that Yadier Molina has yet to hit a home run in is Coors Field. Mm, that's surprising. It is surprising. Matt Carpenter made his pitching debut on Saturday night. The last position player to pitch to the Cardinals before Matt Carpenter was Matt Schrock, August 28th of 2020. And the oldest player... To win the NBA scoring title since Steph Curry, who's done it at age 33, was Michael Jordan, age 34, 97, 98 season with the Bulls. Randy, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, Randy. Have a great day. That is Randy with us on 101 ESPN. I heard of a term this weekend. We're talking about players being old. Have you heard of the term a geriatric millennial? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's millennials that are on the earlier side of the millennial spectrum. Someone mentioned it to me this weekend and I thought that is a horrific term, a geriatric millennial. That is. It seems contradictory actually. It does, but now Gen Z is running the world with TikTok and all of mm-hmm. these things and people in my demographic. That's kind of a scary comment to make. It the, is. The, just running the world with TikTok in the same sentence is kind of it is. Disturbing. It's what they're doing. And they're making fun of millennials. They they make fun of the way we part our hair, the jeans that we wear, all sorts of stuff. Our they, social media habits. They call me a boomer. <laughs> Boomers and geriatric okay, millennials boomer. killing it. <laughs> Coming up, we're going to give away some Cardinal tickets. And we've got You're Killing Me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's Carrick and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and we have a four-pack of tickets to the Budweiser Bash game that includes uh, Ken Reitz Bobblehead, and A.A. Ron joins us now on 101 ESPN <laughs> with Carrick and Smallman. Uh, Aaron, this is Randy. Michelle is here. How you doing? Doing great, Randy. I just got to tell you, it's an honor to be on the phone with you. Well, I appreciate that very much, and we appreciate you listening every day. And uh, we appreciate you getting these blues tickets if indeed you have a great dad joke for us. So that's going to be the key. There are uh, th- there's a four pack of Cardinal tickets on the line here for a great dad joke by you. Okay, I'll try. It's all yours. Go ahead. Uh, what's, what's brown and sticky? Oh no. What could it be? A stick. Aaron. Yep. Great job. Well done. That's I a dad concerned. joke. I All was right. concerned. Uh, you've got a uh, four-pack of tickets for the Cardinals game coming up, and uh, we do appreciate it. You'll get a Ken Reitz bobblehead when you go to that game as well. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thanks for playing, and thanks for listening. Thank you so much. See you Enjoy later. the game. Yeah. Have a great time. What's brown and sticky? A stick. A stick. Perfect. And If you are looking for Cardinal tickets and they've expanded their capacity, all you need to do is go to cardinals.com slash tickets, or you can give them a call and get some tickets to a future Cardinal game. This is so fun. We feel like Santa. We're going to give away more tickets later in the show. We are. It's going to be great. All right. Now it's time for... 
You're killing me, Smalls. There we go. So, Randy, Nick Castellanos, we know him well in St. Louis. Controversial mm-hmm. guy. Always lighting a fire, that Nick Castellanos. Well, he had a great game on Saturday. He went three for five, including his 10th home run of the season. The Reds beat the Rockies six to five. After hitting that home run, he walked over to the stands and he fist bumped a fan in Denver. Well, in the post-game interview on the Cincinnati broadcast, he let... People were curious why he would fist bump the fan. So he actually gave the headset to the fan and let the fan explain what that interaction was about. And here's what he had to say. I promise you, he had something good to say. Wait for it. What led up to the fist bump? So uh, I told Nick when he got up there that he should imagine that uh, Rob Manfred's face was on the baseball. And the next pitch, he lit it up over the fence, baby. (laughs) And then Cassianos went to the crowd and fist bumped the guy. That's fantastic. And as he was doing the interview, Cassianos is giving the... Type, I'm not saying it type deal. Um, and I can't imagine that Rob Manfred is too pleased about this and that that was something that went viral over the weekend. Oh, Rob Manfred just needs to have a sense of humor about it. That's pretty funny. I like that. I would think so. As we know, of course, suspended for his incident with the Cardinals. Yeah. So now he's a repeat offender. You know what? I know that that obviously happened against the Cardinals, so a lot of people in St. Louis look at Nick Castellanos as the villain. I love the way he mixes it up. He does mix it up, yeah. Rob Manford, like you said, probably isn't too happy, but hey, have a sense of humor about it. You're killing me, Smalls. Trevor Bauer, Randy, another guy who's always in the mix when it comes to baseball headlines. Earlier in spring training, he had merch on that had his logo on it, the Trevor Bauer mm-hmm. logo. And Major League Baseball warned him that if you wear your logo and not any sort of issued Major League Baseball logos, we're going to find you. So in his press conference this weekend, he put a shirt or excuse me, a piece of paper. He taped it to his shirt to cover up his logo and wrote on there, not my logo, don't don't find me. <laughs> Very Marshawn Lynch of him. Yeah. I'm just here so I won't get fined. Not my yeah. logo. Don't find me. Come on, baseball. It's one thing for the NFL to say, okay, we don't want you to wear Beats headphones because we have a deal with Bose. But you want your players to be marketed and popular. So allow them to brand themselves and enhance their brand. Everybody knows what the Dodger logo is. If he doesn't wear a Dodger logo in a press conference, it's not going to make any difference at all. So allow him to enhance his brand. I, I see no problem with that at all. Also, how many fans are going to be watching a post-game press conference and see Trevor Bauer wearing a shirt with his logo on it and think, instead of buying a Dodger shirt, I'm going to go buy a Trevor Bauer shirt with his logo on it. They'll probably acknowledge it. It's something you internalize and maybe like some other logos, like Kobe's, of course, back in the day. It's mm-hmm. something that you can identify. But no Dodgers fan is not going to buy Dodgers merchandise because he's exactly. wearing his own logo. It's not going to cut into their profits. Right. Mark McGuire wore a cap for a little bar restaurant in Jupiter when he was going through the 98 home run chase. And these the, the restaurant just sold the the caps like hotcakes. I don't have any. I don't think baseball should have a problem with that. And like you say, is somebody going to buy that cap rather than a Cardinal cap because Mark McGuire was wearing it? No. So come on, baseball, grow up. <laughs> Two shots at Rob Manfred today, I guess. <laughs>
You're killing me, Smalls. So Bradley Beal is someone that we, of course, pay attention to, the native St. Louisan. He was in contention for the NBA scoring title this season. But Steph Curry takes the crown. He is the NBA scoring king for the 2021 season. He scored 46 points in 40 minutes on Sunday and a 113-101 win over the Grizzlies. And it helped him lock up the season scoring crown. LeBron saying that in the play-in game, the Lakers versus the Warriors, that they're playing the MVP of the league this season. A lot of people wondering if Steph is going to be the MVP as well. What he's done is remarkable. When you consider that Clay Thompson wasn't there and Draymond Green was hurt a lot and there really wasn't much more of a supporting cast. Their first-round draft choice, James Wiseman, was lost early in the season for the year. When you use the term valuable, like LeBron said, where would they be if they didn't have Steph? They'd be a lottery team that was battling for the first pick in the draft. So, yes, in in addition to being the player of the year, because he did lead the league in scoring with no supporting cast, there's only one guy to defend on that team. In addition to that, he is clearly the most valuable player on his team in terms of value to it. I believe it's easy. I, I can't imagine that somebody would say Joel Embiid is more valuable. Right. Either of those guys is more valuable to their teams than Steph is to his. He missed all but five games last season season because of his broken hand. He ends this season averaging 32 points per game. Pretty awesome. And That's they get value. Clay back. You know, there are questions about them being great again next year. I think it comes down to Draymond, but Wiseman is going to be better. They should be back in the hunt for championships again next year. Do you think that they beat the Lakers? No, I don't. Because both AD and LeBron are back. And if AD and LeBron are there, the the Lakers have a chance to win it all. They'd be the lowest seed ever to win a championship. Lowest seed, I think, ever to win a championship is four. I I believe the Lakers would have a great chance as the number seven seed to win it all. Okay, let me ask you this question. From an entertainment perspective for the NBA, it's better for the NBA if who, if which team advances. Would you think that there's more intrigue with LeBron and AD, LeBron going for another title, or the Warriors who have been good for a long time obviously not you know last season but with Steph doing what he's doing from an entertainment standpoint who would you rather see advance I would rather see Steph and the Warriors especially if it's Steph and the Warriors against Booker and the Suns that's an awesome series that would be either way you can't really lose but I'm with you I think the Warriors hold more intrigue now than the Lakers I'm with you Thanks, Michelle. You got it. And thanks for your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up, we're going to hear uh, Chaser again. And earlier in the season, before the season started, we uh, had some pretty unsuccessful predictions about the Blues. We'll tell you about those next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. They said we couldn't be here. They said it couldn't happen. It was too much to overcome. The regular season starts with a foundation of anticipation. Its construction is made up of bricks of accountability, confidence, and resiliency. And the structure is fortified by character and chemistry. Well, they said our foundation had crumbled. But we opened our eyes and our ears to the support around us. And our city never left our corner. Together we drown out the noise. And then we started to build. We remembered those that came before us. The passion that drove them to represent our city 
and the Blue Note, night in and night out. We conjured the spirit of the Plager brothers, Sutter, Federico, Chopper, and the Golden Brett. This is what it's all about. This is why we lace them up. This is why we put in the work, why we sweat, and why we bleed. Playing for the crest on the front of our sweater, winning the battles, sacrificing our bodies, and electrifying our crowd. This is the blood that runs through our veins. The chance to silence them, the chance to prove them wrong, the chance to make history. Can you feel it? Can you feel it running through your body? Do you sense the moment? Now this is the time to capture our emotions. This is the time we raise the volume. This is the time to own the moment. Together we are the Blues. Together we're St. Louis. Together we get knocked down and get right back up and keep coming. It's who we are. And we won't stop. They said we couldn't be here. Hey, buddy, we're here. Coming up on I Know 4, you fired up now? You ready? This is what it's all about. So at ESPN.com, they had their quote-unquote experts pick each of the series. And only one person of 16 at ESPN, where apparently the experts aren't that smart, only one (laughs) of the 16, Sack Chandon or Chandon, picked the Blues. The other 15 picked the Avalanche. And at the Athletic Four of the five picked Colorado. Eric Tahachik picking the St. Louis Blues. And all I got to say is... Hey, buddy, we're here. Come on. Can they just play that on loop for like 30 minutes before the Blues take the ice? How can you not be ready to run through a wall after you hear that? No, you, you will. You have to be ready. It's going to be awesome. And I like that the experts are overlooking the Blues. I and I think the Blues like that. They like having that chip on their shoulder. They like being the underdog. They like that mentality. You heard Ryan O'Reilly's comments. We're going to have fun and we're going to beat them. Call in a shot. And yes, this is going to be a difficult matchup for the Blues. The Avalanche are an incredible team. They won the President's Trophy. Mm-hmm. We know the talent that they have and any mistake that their opposition makes they're going to capitalize on it but I also think that this Blues team has overcome so much this season and you you didn't even really get to see this Blues team firing on all cylinders that much this season and we know that there are so many players on this team that have won the Stanley Cup they know how to conjure that next level of their game and I don't know I think that people that are overlooking this team might be a little short-sighted Text 65780 from the 314. Okay, just got goosebumps. I'm looking for a wall to run through uh, from the 636. Holy blank, I has I still have chills <laughs> uh, from the 636 in all caps. That was awesome from the 314. Still gives me chills from the 314. Thanks, Chaser. I'm ready to run through a damn wall. LGB from the 314. Chills from the 812. I still get chills hearing this from the 618. Goosebumps. I freaking love it. Hashtag LGB. So, gotta love it. Awesome. There's nothing like having your team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. No, Absolutely it's, it's nothing. Great. Michelle, we expected the Blues to be here, but not in the way they got here. <laughs> Before the season, Emily asked us to fill out a form, and we were both asked who the Blues' leading goal scorer was going to be, and we both said Mike Hoffman. Third on the team with 17 goals. Yeah. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly finished with 24. I said that the Blues top 
point scorer would be Robert Thomas. I, I said Robert Thomas, and uh, that did not go over very well, I don't think. Uh, Robert Thomas finished 14th on the team in scoring. <laughs> I was a little closer. I picked Ryan O'Reilly, 54.2nd on the team, only behind David Perron with 58. Pretty good. All right, I said the Blues' power play would finish second in the league. You said it would finish first in the league. Actually, they finished sixth. We were really, really hyped about the Blues' power play. But we were both thinking second half of the season, and in the second half of the season, the Blues' power play was number one in the league. It just took a while to get clicking, that's all. All right, the Blues leader in power play goals was Mike Hoffman. We both made good shots with David Perron. We both said Perron. He had six. He was tied for second on the team in power play goals. Mike Hoffman had seven. Not a bad selection by us, though. No, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. All right, the Blues finished with blank points and finished blank in the West. I said 72 points and second. You said 68 to 73 points and second. Actually, uh, 63 <laughs> points, and they finished in fourth. Underdogs. <laughs> yeah. Not, not great. So, hey, at some point we'll get one right. Uh, Jordan Biddington wins blank games. Michelle, you said 22. I said 25. He actually won 18. To be fair to us, <laughs> to be fair to us, who could have anticipated all of the injuries that the Blues would endure this season? This was when things were, it was a fresh slate. Yeah. We were excited. We didn't know that Colton Pareko was going to be out. We didn't know how many players were going to be out with injuries. So you're saying that we deserve a break here? I think so. Okay. <laughs> the Blues X Factor. You said Robert Thomas or Justin Falk. A nice call with Justin Falk. Thank you. I, I would say I got that one right. No? It's been an X Factor. Absolutely. I said Jordan Cairo. It's Okay. For the first half of the season, he was kind of an X-Factor. Set his moments. Yeah. All right. Uh, bold predictions. Robert Thomas, I said, will ble- be the Blues' number one forward. <laughs> 14th in points, Michelle. 14th of the Blues in points. Uh, y- I also said that Billy Huso would win eight games. He won nine. There you go, Randy. And I said... We, we still got a ways to go here. I said what I said... That the Blues will win the stand, Stanley Cup and that Colton Pareko will be a huge, huge component of this team. When he was out, look how bad they were when Colton Pareko was out. He is That's a huge right. component of this team. Now, was he huge because of his production? No, but he showed how valuable he is with his absence. That's right. So I feel like that one is definitely a check in my column here. Now, it was a bold prediction. We didn't ask yeah. for an average prediction. Mm-hmm. We didn't ask for a safe prediction. We, we, we didn't did ask for s- a comfortable prediction. We aren't fence sitters here. We are not fence sitters. So if you want a bold prediction, I'm going to give you that the Blues are going to win the Stanley Cup. I like it. (laughs) Okay, give me your X factor for the playoffs. And I'll I'll start. I'll let you think about it for a minute because I said Jordan Cairo during the regular season, but I made all these bold predictions and great predictions for Robert Thomas. I'm not jumping off that bandwagon, Michelle. I think Robert Thomas can be the Blues X factor and needs to be the Blues X factor during the playoffs. There's so many candidates here to be the X Factor. Can Jordan Bennington be someone that I can mention? Yes. Because Jordan Bennington, as we have seen before, when he is on, he is on. He could steal a game for you. And if we see the Jordan Bennington that we've seen at points this season, or more specifically that we saw during the 2019 run to win the Cup, 
I like the Blues over anybody. In addition to that, I'm going with Jaden Schwartz, especially with, with David Perron mm-hmm. out. Jaden Schwartz is a guy that can get hot at the right time and can take over a series. We, we saw it in 19 with the hat trick, so I'm looking at Jaden Schwartz as the X factor here. Blues, use your emotion tonight. Come away with a game one victory, and then... You need to take the knife and jam it through their eye into their brain and kill them. That's all you need to do. That's That's the game plan. That's it. Do that, you're going to win the series. If you kill them, you win. On that dry erase board where you drop plays, there's little arrows, people are circling things, and you just need to write down that quote, hold it up. That's a W. (laughs) Uh, That's Michelle, I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing. Pre-game at 8 Action at 9. Curbs and Joey with the call. Alex Ferrario with the pregame for you. Game 1 of the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs here on your Home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. The Avalanche did have a magnificent season. Peter Baugh, who covered the Mizzou Tigers last year for the Athletic, has switched over and covers the Avalanche now. And Peter will join us next on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. The Blues and Avalanche, game one of their first round Stanley Cup playoff series tonight. Eight o'clock pregame, nine o'clock faceoff here with Curbs and Joey on 101 ESPN. Peter Baugh covered Mizzou football last fall for the Athletic and switched over at the beginning of the hockey season to cover the Colorado Avalanche. And Peter joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Peter, thanks so much for taking some time with us. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. And you're a St. Louis native, so is it going to be weird watching a team that you grew up playing and covering their op- opponent? It's it's definitely going to be fun. I I don't know about weird. It's it'll definitely. I'm just really excited. Like I'll I'll have a lot of friends who are Blues fans who are tuned into this series. I'll um, I'll be traveling, so I'll get to go home and and see my parents. And so it's kind of been great. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this series. It should be a a fun matchup and it was, it'll be nice kind of having reminders of St. Louis wherever I go. That's awesome, Peter. Well, first things first, that top line for Colorado, we know how lethal they are. Nathan McKinnon was out. He didn't play in four of the final five games of the regular season because he was dealing with that lower body injury. He's expected to play for game one, but do you think the injury that he was dealing with will impact his play at all? So it's hard to say for certain, but it doesn't seem like it will. He talked to reporters yesterday and seemed um, very confident. He he said that he he pretty much wasn't even badly injured. The team just wanted to make sure he was 100% healthy for the playoffs. So I think that was their goal, and it sounds like that's what what happened. It sounds like he's ready to go. And that top line, like you mentioned, is exceptional. Miko Rantanen was the team leader in points, and Gabe Landeskog, plays well in front of the net as a good physical player and it's one of the most explosive lines in hockey for a reason and and it it helps that McKinnon will be back healthy presumably tonight and Peter one of the things that Colorado has going for them that the Blues don't is that the Avalanche are at least 85 percent vaccinated and don't have any issues with COVID at the moment obviously the Blues not only without David Perron but also Jake Wallman one of their key defensemen Uh, Colorado has had to deal with this during the course of the season but they seem to be ready to go now with McKinnon back seems like every piston that they need in that engine is there. Yeah, they, they're a team that even in past years has really struggled with, with injuries. And right now they're in a great spot in terms of, I mean, McKinnon is 
good to go. Brandon Sodding missed the last two weeks of the regular season. He's back. Samuel Gerard was banged up for a bit. He's back and ready to go. It, it's pretty pretty top to bottom. The the roster is, is ready to go. And now the question is just if they can remain healthy throughout the playoffs. Other than health, Peter, if the Blues are going to take this series, is there one vulnerability that the Avs have that maybe the Blues can exploit? So the Avalanche have a very complete roster. I think when I look at, at this series, the Blues path to potentially pulling off an upset would be Jordan Bennington just playing absolutely out of his mind and then Ryan O'Reilly's line being able to contain the McKinnon line because I think that Craig Ruby's going to put them on the ice a ton whenever McKinnon's out there just to because O'Reilly's so good defensively and if they if they can find a way to contain that line and Bennington plays out of his mind then then maybe the Blues have a chance. But in terms of the overall roster, if the Avalanche are, are healthy, that roster is pretty complete. There's not any like noticeable holes or vulnerabilities. Peter Baugh from The Athletic covers the Avalanche on 101 ESPN. One of the things the Avalanche did very well during the season against the Blues was succeed on the power play. And when we talk about vulnerabilities, the Blues got better in special teams as the season went along. Specifically, how has the Avalanche power play been performing? Yeah, they've been good. I mean, it's it's not they're not obviously a lot of teams aren't consistent on the power play, but when you have players like Vika Rantanen and Gabe Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon and Cal McCarr, who's one of the most electric defensemen in the league, you're going to have a good power play if they're clicking. And I think that they, um, I want to say they had a power play goal last game. I don't know off the top of my head, but certainly against the Blues, that power play is really done well um and yeah the, it's if the blues can have if the avalanche can find a way to have a man advantage they're a very dangerous team and just looking at their personnel you can see why peter after the blues beat minnesota in their season finale and we realized that the blues would play the avalanche in the first round ryan o'reilly said to reporters on his zoom we know that they have a lot of talent over there and they work hard but for us it's an exciting challenge we're going to have some fun and we're going to beat them how have how has that comment or other comments that blues players have made showing confidence in this series series resonated in colorado so i don't think the players really have have they they seem to have kind of tuned it out i don't know if maybe in the locker room they have it. <laughs> maybe they're using it as bulletin board material but McKinnon kind of said yesterday he's like well I hope they think they can beat us I mean we think they can we can beat them um it's it's just kind of I I certainly didn't really have a problem with what O'Reilly said I mean he's the captain of the team and the one of the reasons Ryan O'Reilly is such a good player is that he has an immense belief in himself and he he believes that he can win every time he steps foot on the ice and so I think that it definitely like peeved some Colorado fans like they were they were like oh what's he talking about (laughs) and I don't necessarily think that Ryan O'Reilly is right I think the Avalanche are going to beat them but I think that it, it didn't it certainly didn't rub me the wrong way I don't think the Avalanche players are paying too much attention to it and fans are I mean I think if an Avalanche player had said that about the blues blues fans would probably react the same way peter Baugh from the athletic philip grubauer has been sensational in the playoffs the last two years and this season as a workhorse played 40 of the 56 games he may have been better than he's ever played this season with the 1.95 goals against in the 922 save percentage has grubauer even had a bad game 
So he had one, and that I think kind of inflated his uh, his goal, like his um, his save percent or deflated it, I guess. But he's he's been exceptional pretty much all year. He especially ended the season well with a shutout against the Kings, and then he had a like forty save night against Vegas in a game that Colorado won two to one. Um, so yeah, he's he's been exceptional, and when the Blues kind of were able to steal a few from the Avalanche in the last like. The, the last time they met in the regular season, Grubauer was out. When Grubauer's in, the Avalanche have kind of had the Blues number. So I think that he's certainly a key, and keeping him healthy for the Avalanche is, is one of the most important things. Last thing for Peter Baugh from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. He covers the Colorado Avalanche. What we're talking about here is if the Blues play their heavy game like they played two years ago, and granted, the personnel is different, but the one thing, the one way you can beat Colorado is by playing heavy. You've watched the Avalanche all year long. You've seen them play against heavy teams. You know that they can skate. We all know that. If you play their game and let them set the tempo, Colorado's going to win. But are are they at all vulnerable to to a hard four check and teams that are able to maintain possession of the puck in the offensive zone? I don't know. I mean, I think that like, they certainly haven't no, they, they have a winning record against every team they've played this season. So, and teams have tried to play them physically and they've had success. I think that it's a team that you don't necessarily see it as like a, a team that screams physicality but you've got guys like landis guy who can get chippy and dig pucks out of dirty areas the second line with sod and cadre like Mm -hmm. those are two players who are proven playoff players that play hard and physically um and then down the line you've got some guys who can play that style of hockey so maybe it's not as overt as some other teams but i i do think that the abs can play physical when needed um they're skating ability and playmaking just sometimes detract like takes people's attention away from that. But I think that, I mean, certainly Vegas, the last regular season matchup that they had with the avalanche, they tried to kind of play physically with the McKinnon line and it worked pretty well. McKinnon was also banged up that day. So it was hard to tell how much that had to do with it, but definitely it is something that the blues are going to have to try things this series and their four checking is going to need to be good. Like it was on that cup run. What's tough is that you look at that great fourth line that the blues had that series with that, that playoff run with Sunquist and Steen and Barbashev. And only one of them is playing this series, you know, like it's, it's not it. Like you said, the personnel just isn't quite the same. Peter, great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll see you here in St. Louis as the series unfolds. Yeah, can't wait. All right, thanks, Peter. Peter Baugh of The Athletic on 101 ESPN. I can't wait for the puck to drop. No, it's going to be great. And Blues need to play physical. Just keep coming after them wave after wave. They can do it. They can. We'll hear it here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Albert Pujols, yes. Oh, yeah, we need to do. Uh, we need to give away tickets, don't I was going to say, before we go to break, let's give away some more Cardinals tickets. I like that idea. We have tickets for you for the Cardinals game on Wednesday night against the Pirates. It's a four-pack of tickets to the game. It includes the Ken Reitz bobblehead. And if you don't get the tickets from us, all you need to go do is go to cardinals.com slash tickets. But, Michelle, we're giving somebody an opportunity to win tickets, and you've got the rules. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to give you a code word here. You're going to need to text it in to 65780, the code word. And then we will, well, actually, we won't. Emily will select someone to be the winner. But in order to actually secure the tickets, you're going to need to provide us with the dad joke. We're going to do it during the crossover with Danny Mac at 945. So make sure that if you want these tickets, not only that you text the code word to 65780, but that you're available and ready with the dad joke at 945. All right. And the code word is? H-O-F. In honor of Yachty or Molina. In honor of Yachty. Every time that Yachty cuts down a runner trying to steal this season, I'm savoring it so bad. Last night, 77 miles an hour, Randy, from his knees. Unbelievable. Yeah, he is great. ridiculous. He's as good as there's ever been defensively. No doubt. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up with Albert Pujols headed to the the Dodgers. We're going to talk to the man who broke the story on Saturday. Uh, George Castillo of The Athletic is next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Michelle and Randy, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Jorge Castillo covers the Dodgers for the L.A. Times. And with the Dodgers signing Albert Pujols, Jorge is an appropriate guest to have on this morning on the West Coast. He's up early, and we appreciate that. Jorge, thanks so much for the time this morning. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Everything's great. Uh, first question, what was the thought process of the Dodgers? Why, why did they come to this agreement with Albert? Uh, I think the biggest reason is they have um, some injuries right now, dealing with a lot of injuries, 13 guys on the injured list right now, uh, several of them uh, position players. Their depth has been hit, and they've given chances to uh, some younger guys, some guys, some rookies, some sort of unheralded rookies, giving them chances to sort of step in and, and come in off the bench and, and you know, do some damage and, and take advantage of some chances to, to maybe, you know, stick around and, and help the team, but they just haven't been able to do that. And Albert Pujols is someone who obviously they view as somebody who can come, in, come off the bench, pinch hit, start occasionally against uh, left-handed starting pitchers at first base, and, you know, provide some kind of veteran clubhouse presence. Uh, he's not going to play every day. He's not going to play a whole ton. Uh, a ton. Um, it's going to be more of a part-time role. Jorge, the production hasn't been there for Albert Pujols for the past few seasons, but was there anything from an advanced statistics standpoint that led the Dodgers to believe that they might be able to get something more out of Albert? Yeah, if you look at the underlying statistics for for Pujols this season, um, you know, expected batting average, uh, expected slugging percentage, um, you know, batting average on balls in play is really low this season, Um, you know, He's hitting the ball pretty hard. Uh, so I'm sure the Dodgers see that uh, and, and they see somebody who, who could help them. Also, if you just look at the splits, he's hitting left-handed pitching this season um, pretty well. It's a small sample size, but the Dodgers do have trouble hitting against left-handed pitchers. They're in the bottom half, bottom third of the league against left-handed pitchers. Um, so this is somebody who they see in that sort of role, hitting against lefties almost exclusively, um, playing first base occasionally, almost always pitch hitting. And you mentioned his clubhouse presence. How much did Albert's pedigree and the respect he'll likely command in the clubhouse factor into this decision? I'm sure it doesn't help. I mean, this team already has a you know a future first ballot Hall of Famer in Clayton Kershaw. They already have you know three other MVPs, three Cy Young Award winners. They they, they have guys who in that clubhouse who command respect and 
Um, Albert Pujols is someone who's respected. We saw what Mike Trout said, um, you know, after the after the Angels released him. You know, he's someone who who Albert mentored his entire career. Mike Trout said he broke down. The guy, this is a guy Albert Pujols who commands respect. As you guys know in St. Louis, he commands a ton of respect out there too. So um, that didn't hurt for sure. Jorge Castillo of the LA Times with us on 101 ESPN talking Albert Pujols and. Jorge, you mentioned the scenarios under which Albert would get to the plate, but you think that might change a little bit, at least early on, with the injury to Seager and the presumption that Lux is going to move over to shortstop. I guess Muncy moves to second. Might Albert get a little bit more time than originally anticipated when the announce, or when you broke the story on Saturday because Seager injured his hand on Saturday night? I, th- I think that that could be true. That could be true. Um, but I, I just think the Dodgers would, would rather avoid giving you know, Albert Pujols, too much playing time, you know, it's just more of sort of maximizing, optimizing his, his, his ability to have some success, you know, coming in off the bench against left-handed pitchers. Yeah, I do think he'll play a little bit more now that, you know, of course, Seager's going to miss at least a, a month with that broken hand. Chris Taylor, who was, supposed to play, who was supposed to play second base yesterday, actually, for the Dodgers, started second base, didn't play uh, because some right wrist soreness. He was scratched right before uh, first pitch. Um, there's a lot going on with this team right now. But, yeah, Upper Pools, we'll see some starts at first base, probably a few more now that uh, Corey Seager got hurt. Jorge, you mentioned all of the star players that the Dodgers have. This is a championship-caliber team. How did the fan base react to this news? Obviously, if Albert came back here in St. Louis, we would look at him in a different light than Dodgers fans would. But do Dodgers fans receive this as we're getting a future Hall of Famer in Albert Pujols, or are they just looking at this as a depth move and this is just another guy that's going to help this team win? I think they reacted like I reacted when I heard it, uh, shocked. Um, you know, they're, they're viewing it as this is a death piece move. Uh, they know that this, is, this team is really dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, just position player-wise, you mentioned Corey Seager, Chris Taylor yesterday getting hurt. We don't really know the extent of that. Uh, the day before, A.J. Pollock was placed on the injured list with a hamstring injury. Cody Bellinger has been out since April 5th. Zach McKinstry, you know, a rookie who came in and was playing really well, has been out since the middle of April. Um, and there's a whole bunch of pitchers also who haven't been playing, uh, have been out for a while. So um, this is a depth piece. Uh, I think the fans sort of, sort of realize that, you know, just the Angels being in town, uh, they're so close down the road in Anaheim. They, they know what Albert Pools has been uh, the last few years in this season. They know he's not the guy he used to be, you know, especially back in St. Louis. Um, but they see it, you know, as someone, you know, just a few years ago, someone else you guys are familiar with, David Freeze came on board um, with the Dodgers. And I think David Freeze at this point, you know, at that point in his career was better than Albert Pujols is at this point in his career. But, you know, the Dodgers picked him up from the, from the Pirates. And for the last two months of that 2018 season, he was coming in playing against left-handed pitchers, and he did really, really well. And I think that's sort of maybe not to that extent, but I do think that's how fans and the Dodgers sort of see Albert Pujols' role. And the Cardinals will get an opportunity to see their old friend the last day of this month, Monday night, the 31st, and then the 1st and 2nd of June out there at Dodger Stadium. Jorge, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Great work on getting the story, and I'm sure there will be more this afternoon when the Dodgers presumably make the official announcement and Albert Pujols will be a Dodger. But great work as always. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Jorge Castillo of the L.A. Times covers the Dodgers. And now we'll cover Albert Pujols of the Dodgers. Jorge mentioned that he was shocked that Dodgers fans were shocked. I was shocked. I was shocked, too. When I first read it, I I thought of all the teams we had discussed, I did not anticipate the Dodgers. And actually, we were texting back and forth on Saturday. And it wasn't too long after the announcement was made that I started thinking of David Mm Freeze. He brought up the, the, the same situation. And the team isn't much different. And I think Albert 
does fit in as a guy with uh, the, the same sort of skill set, but not to the level that David Freeze had when he joined there. I wonder if Albert will wear number six. Seeger's number five there. Yeah. Good question. Does the honor stand by taking number six? Six is a serious number. I don't know. It really is. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to give away some Cardinal tickets for Wednesday night's game against the Pirates. And we're going to cross things over with Dan McLaughlin. The Dan McLaughlin Show with BK coming up at the top of the hour here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, Dan McLaughlin is in studio. The Danny Mac Show coming up at the top of the hour. But first, we have to get to Justin, who is kind enough to text in and give us his name so that he can win, perhaps, if he has a good enough dad joke, perhaps a mm. uh, four-pack of tickets for the Wednesday night game against the Pirates in which he will get a Ken Reitz bobblehead in addition to being able to watch the game. I have a suggestion. Yes. Why not just skip the joke and give him the tickets? Because we have important information here, Dan. And uh, jokes are part of it. All right. Also, I'm from the Illinois side of the river, so we didn't do this on my stomping ground. But isn't it a St. Louis thing on Halloween to tell a joke if you want the candy? Yeah. So the, we're just stealing that concept. If you want the treat, which is the ticket, you got to give a joke. All right. Sounds good. Justin, welcome. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good. How are you guys? Everything's good. Okay, we do appreciate you texting in. So that's part one of your ticket pursuit. Part two is giving us a quality dad joke, which means that it's probably not great quality. So what do you got for us? (laughs) Yeah, did you hear about the magic tractor? It turned into a field. <laughs> I get it. It turned into a field. I get a magic tractor. Justin, that's fabulous. Good job, Justin. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Enjoy the game. For sure. Thank you guys. I do appreciate it. And and proudly display that Ken Reitz bobblehead too. Justin, thanks very very much for listening. That's Justin on 101 ESPN. Danny, you like that joke? Nope. <laughs> Come on, Dan. I know you did. Hey Dan. No period. <laughs> Hey, buddy, we're here. It's playoff time. It is playoff time, and you can listen to the Blues and the Avalanche tonight at 8, right here on 101 ESPN. Also be seen on Valley Sports. Yeah. I'm ready to go. It's playoff time. Uh, I'm excited. I wish David Perron was going to be in there. Do we know officially if he is out? We do not. Okay, when would we know about that? I would think when Craig Berube talks to the media this morning, 11-ish or so. What are the rules on that? So he's got to be out for, he's got test negative. Got test negative three times. Three times. So, so And Curbs was on with us this morning, and he didn't have definitive word. Okay. I have a question for both of you. Will you be growing a playoff beard? I will not. I, I won't understand. either. You're on television, so I understand. Well, it's, not, it's really not that, Michelle. I think if I tried to grow a playoff beard, it would look a little, what is the word, splotchy? (laughs) Patchy? Patchy. There'd be little little parts going that way, this way, the other way. Some of it would be gray. Some of it would be light. Some of it would be dark. Um, So, no, I will not be doing that. It would not look good. My gray beard itches too much, so I don't do beards. And it's not necessarily that you're supposed to be, you know, looking for, for fashion. It's about, you know, the... Being in the custom of growing the beard, mm-hmm. the playoff beard, That's right. uh, I will not be doing that. Yeah, one time, 
McGraw-Millhaven, buddy over at the Big 550, donated me to get my head shaved without telling me, by the way. Oh. Uh, but somebody offered ten grand Did if all it? of us from the Chalk Talk show would get our heads shaved. And so we did. I, I did it for him, yeah, because it was ten grand for nurses for newborns. Did you go uh, razor to the head or just a zzz, and uh, then did yeah, they go bald? It was a local, I think it was a hair saloon, had people out. We did it at Grant's Farm, and we sat there, and everybody watched us get it done. And you have a tattoo thanks to yep. what's happened yeah. with the blues. Yeah. So when I got my head shaved, I actually grew a McGuire-esque goatee for that time, too. Oh, that's nice. So I had, yeah, I had the, the shaved head and the goatee going. I bet you looked really great it among the neighborhood. very attractive. I can't I picture that at all. I can't yeah. either. And, you know, also, you we have guys out there sacrificing their bodies. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly had broken ribs during mm-hmm. the run, and you're going to not put in the, the positive Juju towards the blues success because your beard is too itchy. Hey, you know what? Just bring the Stanley Cup in and let me kiss the cup, and we're all be, we're all good. That is true. History precedent undefeated, is on our side. Undefeated. Yeah. Blues in the Stanley Cup, undefeated when Randy's kissed the cup. Yep. So, nice. That's the way we got to look at it, they isn't it? In, yeah, they brought in the cup to the uh, the booth one night. That was pretty cool. And I was going to pick it up, mm-hmm. and I have met the keeper of the cup. I can't remember his Philip name. Philip Pritchard. Yeah, yeah, I've met him many times and he remembered me from my days with the blues. And he says, Dan, ah, 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 like that. <laughs> no, sir. No. So they put the cup between us as we did the open and I did have the chance to act That's like awesome. I was kind of ready to pick it up and kiss the cup, Michelle which was awesome. has a great photo of her kissing the cup. Well, I was hugging it. We did yeah. a little, you know, spoon action. Yes. Uh, but I've only been mad at Randy Carricker one time in my entire life, Dan. <laughs> and it's when I heard he kissed the cup because we're very superstitious on this show. And the Blues were so close to winning the Stanley Cup. And everyone knows you don't touch the cup. You don't kiss the cup until it's earned. And I was not listening to the fast lane that day. And I get a text from someone and it just said, Randy, kissed the cup. And I go, no, he did. Well, how did you get the cup before they won? They, they, brought, they brought it, it in, in during the playoffs. Oh, did they really? Yeah. They did. And I go, you're lying. Randy would never do that to us. There's no way he would <laughs> well, kiss you the broke cup. the curse then. He did. did. Maybe that's the way to look at it. But yeah. if, if they lost, he oh, would, yeah, he would have been, been in... public enemy number one. Numero right? uno. Yeah. Numero uno. <laughs> you were a little nervous in game seven, I take it, for multiple reasons. Yeah. Because people would have been, you know, pitchfork at you. Thank you, Petro. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. I was like, how could you, Randy? How could dare you? How dare you tempt fate like that? I would have never been forgiven. I was watching the playoffs yesterday. I watched the Islanders and the Penguins yesterday. Great game. Islanders won an OT. And the fan, some of the fans were bad. I watched the Vegas game, too, mm-hmm. and they had a pretty sizable crowd. Florida had a sizable yep. crowd. So it is, see, it, it's nice to see that the crowds are coming back and the intensity of, of the playoffs. It kind of brought you back to what it's supposed to be. It's mm-hmm. what it's all about. And by the way, with the Penguins, you have to understand that Heinz makes mustard, too. So yeah, that's why they had the mustard. They, they all looked like giant mustard bottles. You didn't like the jerseys? I like any, sweaters. I thought, no, I like anything yellow. I love okay. it. I All love right. it. Didn't know that. So you yeah. like the Vegas Golden Knights dome helmets? Those are too much. Yeah. Okay. Well, you said you liked it. Well, I, I like yellow, but that glittery gold like Notre Dame has now on their helmets doesn't thrill me. Not for you. No. I got it. Okay. Yes, Michelle. I was going to say, of course, we want to ask you about the Cardinals and Padres over this weekend. But, Dan, have to get your reaction to Albert Pujols mm-hmm. heading to L.A. with the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I guess staying in L.A. Yeah, it just. <laughs> The fit wasn't here. Kind of like we talked about, he wasn't going to play. Um, 
you know, when Goldschmidt plays every single day, and if you could transfer Goldie over to third, you go, well, can he play third? Well, Nolan Arenado's there. Okay. Can he play up the mid? No. Can't play. Can he play the outfield? No. Is there a DH? No. I just didn't see a fit. Um, as the fan in me, I, I truly did want to see it. I, I think it would have been great to to see him come in late games at home. Um, I would have been interested in the crowds that would have come out. I think they would have brought a lot of fans out. But, you know, my lasting memory of him, at least in St. Louis, is that final weekend in St. Louis as an angel. Um, and he had the home run off of Dakota Hudson, and that was cool to see. It would have been great to see. I mean, we got a standing ovation every single time. But, you know, they have preached time and again they want to see these young guys play, get a chance, all that stuff. I think if there had been an injury or a DH in the National League, he finishes his career in St. Louis. I do. Now, here's the thing to think about is, and I don't think this would happen. This is far, really far down the line. The Dodgers are going to get a lot healthier here Mm -hmm. um, as the season goes on. And if he doesn't perform and you're near August or September and the Cardinals had a fit on their bench, maybe you do it, but it just didn't seem like the fit. And I I, I say this too, if, if he would have reached base, not with a home run, you may have to go to your bench if you're down by a run and then pinch run again to you bring somebody. definitely some, would. He can't run. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's struggling to run. So as much as it would have been great for the sentimentality of it, it just as a baseball look at the team, I'm just not sure it would have made a lot of sense. Take it or leave it. When the Dodgers come to town in early September, he will be a Dodger. Uh, I'm going to take it. I, I will too. I think when you sign him and you you – you say, hey, good or bad, we're, we're going to keep you here and yeah. we'll figure out a way to make sure you finish your, your season with us. And he's the only real veteran from the right side they have on that bench anyway. And they're not hitting left-handed pitching. He's I mean, got an 850 OPS against lefties. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they have not hit lefties well. And so it makes sense to bring him in and may, maybe you get a, a spot start. You can move Muncie. You don't have... Uh, you don't have Seager, you don't have Bellinger. I mean, you got a lot of guys out right now that he can fit a role for that and give you some at-bats. Big week for the Cardinals. Two against the Pirates, by the way, off on Monday and Thursday, and then three against the Cubs. Need to throw some strikes, and you need to beat up on the teams that aren't as proficient in the National League Central, especially after getting swept by San Diego. I think this is a big week for the Cardinals. It was really an odd road trip because you, you saw three of the best pitchers in the National League, Peralta, Woodruff, Burns, and you take two of three. And then you go to San Diego, which is a very good team, minus some of their best. And sometimes it's tough to play teams when bench guys are are playing because it's their time to play and they're going to go full tilt. And I'm not making excuses. They they lost. And the bottom line is you have to throw strikes. They did not throw strikes. I mean, that game on Friday night, it's going close to 1.30 in the morning and they're walking 12 and that can't happen. I mean, that just you're not going to win. I don't care if it's the Padres, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh. You don't throw strikes, you do not win. And they did not throw strikes. And it was it was clearly happening up and down the rotation and in the bullpen. So that's a that's a point of concern. The lack of strikes, especially coming out of the bullpen now, and that reared its ugly head in what could have been winnable games on both Friday and last night. And yesterday, Miles Michaelis pitched. In He's Nashville. a strike thrower. Yeah, mm-hmm. and hit a home run, too, Yeah, which was pretty cool. He was, uh, let's see, six innings, four hits. He struck out three and walked one, no earned run. So six innings for Miles, who threw uh, 80 pitches. So maybe he's ready next time through. Oh, I think so. I, I think Oviedo, when I saw, and I'm really high on him, I think he's going to be very good at the major league level, but that was not a major league start on Friday night. So I could see 
Miles with the off days slipping in uh, next week. And you don't know about Martinez. I mean, it sounds like he's not that far away and the mm-hmm. ankle wasn't that serious. But you get him back in and you don't know about then what happens with John Gant. But Oviedo on Friday night, that was not a major league start with all the walks and the... No. It was just not not competitive. If John Gant, and he's been terrific, but he's also been limited because he's hasn't thrown enough strikes, he's thrown too many balls. If John Gant lands in my bullpen without me having Jordan Hicks in there, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Uh, I, I like having that arm down in the bullpen. I don't want him to walk as many people, though. Yeah. I, I, I wonder, though, if he's d- different as a reliever in terms of more efficient inside the strike zone as he is yeah. as a starter. And I, I think there's something to that. Now, time will tell. It might be one of these years where he's just not as sharp in walking people, but he's sharp once he gets runners on. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, he's great. He's been great, but... You just can't walk that many people. You're playing with fire. Who do we got coming up? Uh, BK's back. So we'll talk a little bit about the weekend and what happened. Good. Have some opinions, I would think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. All right. Thank you, guys. The Danny Mac Show with BK coming up here on 101 ESPN. Uh, More tickets to give away tomorrow. We're always looking forward to giving away Cardinal tickets, so we'll be doing that. Great job by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. Welcome back. Thank you, and let's go Blues. Hashtag LGB. We'll be talking about Blues tomorrow, and stay up. 9 o'clock start. Stay up for the Game 1 win tonight. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise.